Hello, listeners. This is Human Capital, a goal span podcast, and I'm Jeff Hunt. Human Capital is the place where I interview top business thought leaders to uncover the deeply human aspect of work. My guest today is Brian Jadon, who for the past 10 years has run Catalytic Consulting. Brian incorporates family systems psychology, emotional intelligence work, and mediation into his transformative work with his clients. He's co-author of two leadership trainings, The Power of Self-Leadership and The Leader as Coach. Brian incorporates internal family systems into his work, which we'll hear about today. Earlier this year, Brian founded an organization called Living Gift Consciousness, which is designed to inspire conversation and community around the question of how we can see all aspects of life as a gift. So many guests on Human Capital are influencers, and Brian is no exception. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure. Well, it's great to have you here today, and I'm very excited about this topic. It's something new and different, and um, so I'd love to just jump right in and maybe start with you sharing with our listening audience a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Well, I um, am an organizational coach and I work uh, primarily with uh, senior management teams uh, or depending on the size of the company, if it's smaller, I might work with the entire team. Um, and essentially, I do what I call strategy, cohesion, and alignment work. Um, you know, the strategy work where most of us are familiar with, you know, it's, you know, who do we want to be when we grow up as a company and how are we going to get there? And then how do we know whether we're on the right path or not? Those kinds of questions. The, uh, the cohesion is really the quality of your relationships, uh, particularly as a management team. Um, are you able to tell each other the truth? Are you able to have real conversations, to be vulnerable, to be real, to be genuine? And, um, you know, I'm one of the models that I'm trained in, Patrick Lencioni's uh, Five Behaviors of a Cohesive Team, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with, you know, trust, it all begins with trust. So a lot of the work I end up doing is about building trust uh, between those individuals. And then the alignment work is, are we all really committed to where we say we want to go and who we want to become? And um, so those are the three aspects that I often work with. Great. Yeah, actually, I'll put a quick plug in for Patrick Lencioni. <laughs> and he, I believe, has a, a new model, the six types of working genius. And uh, okay. uh, one of our guests on an upcoming episode is going to be Jeff Gibson, who is uh, Pat's one of Pat's co-founders at the table group. So we're excited to hear about that. And uh, yeah, I, I love that model. And I'm, mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure that you've been able to probably incorporate that into this self-leadership model that you use with your clients. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've synthesized probably three or four models in, in the, the Lincioni work and the internal family systems are are two of the primary models for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Brian, share with our listeners what inspired you to go into business. Well, I'll start with what inspired me to leave business. Um, that's probably the best place to start. My, my parents really wanted me, probably particularly my dad at the time when I was you know, a teenager, wanted me to go into business school because that's what boys did. Mm -hmm. And 
so um, I enrolled at the University of Georgia where uh, my dad went and my mom went and uh, enrolled in the business school. And I think I maybe took two business classes and I went to the business school admin office and said, I'd like to leave. And <laughs> they said, they said, do you know how many people are trying to get in this school and you're trying to leave? And I said, yes, but I really wanted to be a journalist. And so I switched over to journalism and ended up, uh, fortunately, University of Georgia had one of the best journalism schools in the country. And so I, I worked as a journalist uh, for during my 20s and um, thought I was going to do that the rest of my life. And uh, burned out about age 30 and uh, moved to the North Carolina mountains and lived on the top of a mountain on a dead-end gravel road with a black lab and contemplated the rest of my life and uh, and then trained to be a therapist. Um, that's how I, uh, partly how I found internal family systems because it's primarily, a, as has originated in the therapeutic community, but I really, I've really always been fascinated with with large system, with groups and human behavior and and psychology and so I just over time discovered that um, there was a real need for um, uh, for these for for to to draw on some of these tools and methods for business. So I gravitated back to business after a couple decades, I guess. Um, and uh, that's how I, I sort of came in the back door, I guess you'd say, into business. And now I'm fascinated with business and more from really an outsider on some level. But I've just, I'm fascinated with human systems and, um, and, and, and why people do what they do and uh, how people get stuck and unstuck. And so I've, I've, I've really been having a good time working with, uh, with business from a, a totally different angle. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And... So one of the things I mentioned in our opener was this whole concept of self-leadership. And I think that mm -hmm. our listeners are not going to be familiar with this. So walk us through the, what self-leadership is and why it matters to organizations. Well, self-leadership is, is the central tenet or principle or really it's, a, it's an experience. Uh, more than and a practice it's almost a spiritual practice in some ways but it's it's really uh, for, at, at, in any given moment on any given day in any in any given situation uh, where are we leading ourselves from are, are we leading from a place of um, uh, a curiosity and compassion and calm um, as, as you know Jeff you know the model there these eight C's that I'm not going to remember all of them, but those are a few of them. And, uh, you know, are we, are we, are we engaging every interaction and every moment from a play, from that place of, of curiosity, calm and compassion and, uh, and without really a heavy agenda, um, or are we, and, and, you know, in our good moments and our good days, we're able to do that. But I think uh, self-leadership is really, makes it a practice. It makes it a daily practice. And uh, to do that, we have to um, unblend is a, another big word in the uh, IFS community. We have to unblend from parts of us that carry burdens and are uh, perhaps have concerns and even fears about uh, uh, what has happened to us or what might happen to us in the future. Um, all of us get stuck in what we might call the, or what often is called the survival response, the fight, flight, or freeze 
Um, our nervous system goes into the sympathetic rather than the parasympathetic, if you want to use the neurobiology language. So, you know, it's really, uh, are we, essentially, are we in survival mode or are we in a different mode where we can be more creative and innovative and spacious and, um, and self, that really requires self-leadership to, mm -hmm. to do, to be in that space. It's almost like you're sharing the difference between scarcity and abundance. Yeah, on some level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the one of the, you know, we won't go too deep into IFS. Uh, those who you know, I'm sure some listeners are familiar with it, and some not. But uh, you know, if you if you dig a little deeper into the model, you find out that there are parts of all of us or aspects of all of us that are really concerned with. Um, uh, uh, making sure that we we don't experience pain and suffering. Hmm. And then there are other aspects and parts of us that react when we do experience pain and suffering. Hmm. Uh, and then there are parts of us that carry the experience of pain and suffering. So there's sort of these three primary categories of parts. And uh, self-leadership is the ability to know what, what those parts are and to begin to work with them in a compassionate way, compassionate, curious way, and to help them unburden and to evolve and to get to the wisdom all parts of us uh, whether we like them or not carry within them great wisdom and gifts for us and so self-leadership is also that practice it's the practice of being able to know um you know where we're leading from in any given moment and then to be able to to use emotional intelligence language to be able to regulate or manage self-regulate or self-manage so that we are not always leading from those parts that may or not serve us and the people that we care about and the people that we work with every day. Okay. How do these parts show up in the workplace? Like what, how have you seen them show up and um, are they always negative or can they be positive? <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, they can be positive. Um, you know, I think that, um, I, there are so, <clears throat> so many ways they show up in the workplace. So one way is that, um, let's say that um, someone is conflict avoidant. And I'm sure neither one of us have that, right, Jeff? So, <laughs> so um, someone who's con conflict avoidant is just, again, that's the part of us that wants to avoid pain and suffering or wants yeah. to avoid maybe causing someone else pain and suffering so that to adapt. So what do we do? We compensate or someone compensates or adapts around a situation or an individual or an entire group of individuals to avoid or minimize conflict. And so that creates adaptation upon adaptation. And often what happens is that the root issue that really needs to be addressed and spoken to really doesn't happen. And so you have this perpetuating cycle of adaptation, which is usually not in the best interest and in service of the mission of the organization. Okay, and so would an example of that be a manager perhaps tolerating underperformance of an employee? Could, could That's it happen? one example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, doesn't really wanna have a hard conversation as we called, you know, yeah. the all the different names we have for the hard conversation, the fierce conversation, right. the sensual conversation. Um, yeah, because we, one, we may fear a reaction. Sure. You know, you know, one of my mantras is always allow people to have a reaction. Okay. 
and yeah. and or I, I often will share that I have I think seemingly hundreds of mantras and that's one of them, but <laughs> allow people to have a reaction. And because that doesn't mean that what you're saying is untrue or not important to say, it just means that, you know, we don't, we don't know how other human beings are going to respond to what we say or do. Um, but yes, that is one example is to not, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was working, I'm working with a manager uh, and have been around this very topic where, you know, her, she has a strong value around harmony. Okay. And so, and, and so that's, you know, and wants harmony on the team. And so I basically said, so you're valuing harmony more than performance. Is that accurate? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that kind of, you know, sort of hits you between the eyes a little bit and you know, a bit mm -hmm. of tough love there. But, um, but yeah, so what happens is that we end up, you know, to use the uh, immunity to change model, another model yes. that some folks are familiar with uh, Keegan and Leahy um, out of Harvard. Uh, we have competing commitments. We we make we we have to we have to really evaluate what we're committed to. And of course, those those are all parts. So there's a part of us that's committed to this, part of us that's committed to that, and they're all valid sure. usually. Yes. But we often have to get much more aware and conscious about what those commitments are, which are all parts driven, by the way, mm -hmm. and then find out, you know, how can we, uh, well, first of all, in the case of this manager I spoke about a moment ago, that she doesn't actually have harmony on the team. She has a false harmony. So it's some of, some of that is just the awareness and the recognition that what we think we're creating or promoting actually isn't happening. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's really a lack of alignment. It sounds like what your internal alignment. So She's, she's feeling or, or internally feeling one way, but she's behaving in a different way, which is creating that internal conflict, I guess. Is that right? Which creates external conflict. So okay. all internal alignment then ripples out into misalignment uh, all around us at all levels. So, you know, the classic thing is if the management team, the senior management team in an organization is misaligned, which many of them are, not all then that misalignment ripples out throughout the entire enterprise at all levels, whether it's verbal or, un or not. It's uh, felt, you know, it's that, it's that idea that, you know, another influence of mine, I mentioned emotional intelligence, the folks who wrote, um, uh, who wrote the book Resonant Leadership, which the idea that, uh, you know, all leaders are creating either resonance or dissonance any given moment of the day. Mm -hmm. And so, <laughs> you know, and true alignment really feeds and fuels resonance rather than dissonance. Um, mm -hmm. It sounds ahead. like you're, you're saying that these individual, the way we respond individually and in our self-awareness can have an impact culturally within an organization. So it can actually shape the entire oh. sort of feeling. And is, is that a, a good way of putting it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working with another manager right now um, who, you know, um, it's fascinating. She's, she's one, she's from another, she's not from the U S she's from another cult, another country and uh -huh. culture completely. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so she really learned that to, to be successful in a man's world, she's an engineer group, uh, you know, to, to be successful in that world, it's, that there were no room for emotions or feelings. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And so, again, 
that would be uh, a part of her that has a very specific strategy, conscious or unconscious, about how to how to be successful in a world of in a male-dominated engineering world. And so, her either on her own or coaching from others or her family or a combination um, really kind of shut off from her emotions and feelings and really didn't show a lot of vulnerability. And so what we, we just, we just completed a series of, uh, of small conversations with peers and colleagues of her that I was participated in. And, um, and what really came through is that that was the missing component was that people don't trust her because there's no vulnerability. They don't, they don't see her as a human being. They don't get a sense that she actually cares about them and what they deal with every day and they're part of the enterprise. So, so that was a really case where she had kind of gotten hijacked by a part of her that had a specific strategy for how to be in the work world, particularly engineering, that was supremely unsuccessful. So to her credit, she said, you know, I'm, I got to do something different. And so, and she was really showed a lot of courage, I thought, and self-leadership, I would add, to say, yes, I'm willing to hear from my peers what their experience is with me. So that's huge. It was really powerful to have, you know, we had three separate conversations, small group with peers, and to have the truth be spoken in love, so to speak, to her. Um, and so that was, you know, that was really powerful. So, um, uh, that's just one example of how parts can really, um, take over, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not really in the practice of self-leadership in a way that really serves not only us, but serves, um, the team and the uh, company as a whole. And, and then by extension, their clients or customers. So it ripples all the way out to, you know, who the consumers of their product or services. So mm-hmm. it really is a very powerful, it's a very powerful endeavor, this whole idea of self-leadership. It's, yes. um, it can be very, uh, you know, transformational is often overused. Maybe it's the right amount of usage, I don't know, but it's, um, <laughs> let's just say it can be quite profound when we really practice self-leadership and all the ways that it can uh, move throughout a system. Mm-hmm. And for her, so if we stay with her as an example for a second, mm-hmm. how, so obviously she, she did the work with you, but mm-hmm. what did it look like to have her sort of uh, evolve to a place that the, that system, because you were talking about systems earlier, mm-hmm. was not as stuck or burdened? What, how, how did that transformation take place with her? With your well, it's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, we're actually going to meet with her CEO today because she reports to the CEO and just kind of debrief on what her what she's heard and learned and the insights that have come. And then now it's a question of well, what is she going to put into practice? Because you know, as someone said I, to me a long time ago, I don't remember who it was awareness without action is empty. Just as action without awareness is empty. Wow. So now it's time for her to convert or translate 
her awareness into action and into practice. So that's what she's doing now. She's identifying daily habits and practices that she's actually going to demonstrate. And, um, and then her CEO will be able to hear what those are and reinforce and coach and provide support and accountability. So um, she's already identified three or four things that, um, that she's going to start doing differently uh, with, with her colleagues. That sounds profound. And like she can have a ripple effect on the entire organization. Yes. And then I think it'll actually be much less exhausting for her because mm -hmm. she gets to show up as a, as a whole person. Perfect. She gets to, you know, maybe, I mean, obviously there are things you don't share in the workplace, but you yes. know, I think, um, I think she'll be able to share up in a way at work that, you know, cause she said to me early on in the process, she said, I'm not like this outside work. She said, people are, you know, I, I really have a strong connection with people gravitate to me and they, you know, trust me. And so I said, okay, well, we just got to figure out, you know, what's not happening at work. And mm -hmm. so uh, again, it, there was a level of real openness and receptivity and vulnerability that she demonstrated right out of the gate that, um, you know, I just, I have a utmost respect for her willingness to take this on and to learn how to be in the world differently, which we're all doing right on some level every single day, especially now Yes, in 2020. So, exactly. um, you know, we're all learning how to be in the world in ways that are more uh, loving to ourselves and others and more effective and maybe less exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2020 has been an exhausting year, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. With uh, exhausting and also uh, truly eye-opening and um, yes, uh, 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 profound. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. For sure. So yeah, and it what you really were referring to earlier with her it with uh, is actually her being able to be in alignment both in work and away from work. So it sounds like sure. she was in alignment outside the workplace. You're helping her become mm -hmm. in alignment inside the workplace. Right. Uh, yeah. And then the other and thing that I was requires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the other thing I, I was reflecting on was the Patrick going back to Patrick Lencioni because his whole model begins with trust, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're helping her embody greater levels of trust among her peers, her, her, you know, subordinate, her subordinates, her manager, and uh, his, his, that foundation goes from trust to uh, a healthy conflict, right? So that's the other thing that you were sharing about her is her mm -hmm. ability to actually speak her, her truth and be vulnerable and have allow others to have that healthy conflict. Yeah. Um, and then the commitment, accountability, and results. I think if I remember right. those correctly, those are the kind of the that's, five that that's, Lencioni. Those are the, those are the right ones. And, right. you know, just a quick note on the trust. She has to trust herself initially. Oh, okay. That's, you know? that's huge. So she has to trust and trust that she'll be received with her peers, that she'll be, if she shows up in a more full, vulnerable way, that she will be received and accepted as uh a member of the tribe, so to speak. And sure. uh, um, so, yeah, it, it, I think it's going to, it requires a level of internal trust to really begin to develop those trusting relationships externally. Mm -hmm. What are some, are there any other examples that come to mind for you on success stories of leaders you've worked with, teams, organizations, 
how you've helped these systems sort of break through? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm thinking about um, one particular CEO, business owner uh, that I worked with over the years, um, who's um, actually uh, in the process of retiring now after a 40 year career. But uh, we worked, I think it was, um, you know, one of the, th one of the, there've been several, there were several sort of turning points or um, moments, uh, mile markers, you might say in our, in our work together, my coaching with him that were, that were really important. One of the ones was um, a, a recognition of bringing in people to around him and to support him in his business that were not always either trustworthy or mm -hmm. who they said they were or um maybe even uh sabotage the business in some way um so caused great harm and so um you know one of the things we worked with is um you know i i i talk a lot in my coaching with with leaders around aspirational leadership versus mm -hmm. reality-based leadership okay and so you know, I, I sometimes say, you know, have you ever been in relationship with someone and then they didn't become who you either thought they were or who you wanted them to become? And you, most of us can say we've we've done that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> it's been a point where like, hey, that's not who you said you were or not who I thought you were or not. You're not becoming the person that I you know thought you might become some version of those. Mm -hmm. And it's true in business as well, you know, so I think we, it's great to have aspiration as a leader, but it's also, you know, we see what we want to see sometimes. And we sometimes have real blinders on and don't see things about people or situations. And we don't really, because that, you know, we might see something we don't want to see. So, mm -hmm. you know, see, so at one point he was, uh, this particular client was reflecting on that they uh, he had some buyer's remorse, you might say, about bringing a certain person onto his team. And mm -hmm. and I said, well, just tell me all the things that you assumed were true when you made that decision. And he listed like 12 things. And I said, well, what if none of those are true? None of those 12 things. And he just paused for a moment and he just said, well, he said, I'm I'm screwed. He, he used more colorful language than that. But um <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, let's just, let's just, is it possible that none of those things were true when you brought this person on? He said, yeah, it is, it is possible. Mm -hmm. So I think that's sort of a, you know, um, that's also you back to IFS and parts language and self-leadership that, so there's a part of us that can be very aspirational and not look at the reality of a situation or an individual and see what we want to see. And that's, that part of us looks through a particular lens that's not always real. Mm -hmm. And so that's one example um, uh, with that particular individual. Another quick example is that I would say underneath that is a, what we call an IFS world, uh, a, a, an exiled part of him that carried a belief that other people knew more than he did. So, uh, so that was, we, we got to, uh, a really important piece of information, which is there's a there's been a, 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 a old part of him or very young part of him, say probably with him since he was a kid, that just always that never trusted his own wisdom, never trusted his own 
instinct. And so I think he carried that with him through his entire life. And that led him to acquiesce his own personal authority or what some call sovereignty. So, Mm -hmm. and that, that pattern of acquiescing his own internal personal authority and sovereignty really set him up for a lot of pain and disappointment. Mm -hmm. And so that issue with the person that we just, you know, I just discussed that this is the piece that was underneath that. So that's, you know, so, so really that part, really the part that did the acquiescing and didn't trust his own instincts as a wisdom. That's the one that really requires an element of uh, healing Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we sometimes call in the IFS world unburdening. So, um, so that's really important piece is that we all have parts of us that carry uh, beliefs um, or narr- and or narratives about ourselves and the world around us that cause us to make decisions and um, to be- uh, and and to show up in the world in ways that will create suffering for us. And so that's, that's a big piece of what this is about is getting, uh, discovering all the ways we create our own suffering. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like a very powerful model, uh, and the opportunity to unburden can lead to transformed, uh, behavior and, uh, a, a much, uh, more effective culture organizationally that mm-hmm. will not only be less burdened, but be more enjoyable to work in if we're all able to do this with trusting relationships and a clear and compelling vision that we all can speak openly and honestly and truthfully about. So. Yeah, exactly. And it begins with, you know, it's a, it sounds a bit cliche, but it really does begin with each of us. You know, we have to, Mm -hmm. and we have to, we have to, we have to own that process in that journey for each of us. Yes, for sure. So I'm going to shift us to some quick lightning round okay. questions. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we're close to Thanksgiving. So I'm going to start with a question for you, Brian, about what you're most grateful for in this challenging year that we just mentioned. <laughs> mm, wow. Yeah. What, and what a year it's been, right? We just mentioned. Yes. So, um, I, I would say, you know, I've called the pandemic, the great disruption because, mm. <laughs> it's, it's disrupted all all the way, all the things that used to be true, and uh, so I would say for me, um, I have uh, you know met uh, uh, the love of my life and in the middle of the pandemic, and so I'm grateful for that. For her name is Megan, and um, I'm going to be um, relocating to California uh, at the first of the year, so. Lots of big changes. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, just, you know, I think I'm grateful to myself for being open and willing to uh, uh, allow more joy to come into my life, um, to be really honest. And, you know, so that's, that's been the journey I've been on is to, is to really make more room for joy to be in my life and in my world. So um, that's probably the best answer I have. We could all use a little more joy, I think. <laughs> and what is, if, if you think about all the books that you've read, what's your top recommendation for our listeners? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I'm actually not a huge reader myself. I, I tend to use books more as resource books, but sure. I have a, sure. a ton of books 
that I do use for that purpose. We already mentioned the book Resonant Leadership. Oh yeah, um, okay. I think, I think that's, uh, and I think the same authors also wrote uh, How the Way We Talk Can Change the Way We Work. I use mm. that. Um, uh, gosh, others, uh, that Immunity to Change book, I think is, okay. is good also. Um, I think, um, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big Margaret Wheatley fan. Some mm-hmm. of your listeners may know her work. Uh, mm-hmm. I, she's got several books out. Um, I think she may have written one, uh, uh, Leadership and something. I can't remember. Anyway, Margaret Wheatley, go check her out. If you, have, if you don't know her work, you know, I love her stuff. Um, I could go on and on, but that's yeah. <laughs> a couple of, those are a couple of ideas. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, gosh. Um, that is a tough one. Um, I would say, um, I, I really love this quote. Some of your listeners may know, um, which I guess I'll, I will see, I will take this quote as advice that from Howard Thurman is don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you fully come alive because that's what the world needs is people who have come alive. So I've kind of taken that as a piece of advice, I guess, over the years. And um, really that's one of the ideas that I try to follow in my own life. Really like that. So as we wrap up, Mm -hmm. tell me what one thing you're hoping our listeners will take away from our talk today. Mm, Wow. So I would just say um, to be, to, I would say to begin to notice at a different level um, uh, how you show up in the world every day, both in your work life and in your personal life, and just to begin to get curious. Uh, another mantra, when in doubt, be curious. I'll leave with your yeah. listeners. Um, <laughs> Just to begin to get curious about how you're showing up and then why you might be showing up that way. And it is, is there a part or parts of you that um, are trying to, that, uh, what's behind that? Mm-hmm. You know, so what, what are the parts that might be influencing how you're showing up in any given situation, interaction, relationship, or role that you have in your life? And to begin to get curious about why that is. That sounds great. That's, that's, that's their homework assignment. Yeah, that's the homework assignment. And then uh, does it create suffering or joy? Oh, that's a great extension to that. So, really. you know, so does it, does it tend to create suffering in your and other people's life? Mm-hmm. Or does it tend to create the conditions for joy in your and other people's life? Mm-hmm. And if people want to learn more about self-leadership and this model, where can they find you? How can they get additional information? Um, the best way is to email me. Just uh, email Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at Brian J-A-U-D-O-N dot com. That's probably the best way. Okay. Um, I do have a, a couple of websites that they're welcome to go take a look at. Um, uh, it's BrianJadon.com. And then also the, you mentioned the gift uh, consciousness work. I also have livinggiftconsciousness.org. So those are a couple of ways to, to find my work. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time and for joining us today. This was a great conversation. My, my pleasure, Jeff. Great to be with you.
Yeah, take care. Thanks for listening to the show this week. We release a new episode of Human Capital on the first and third Tuesday of each month. I would really like to know what you thought of this episode. Send your comments to humancapital at goalspan.com. Human Capital is produced by Goalspan. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please share this podcast with your colleagues, team, or friends. Thanks for being human, kind.